Good morning, Capital City. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Amen? Good morning. It's better to be here this week than it was last week. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's just keep it going. It is great, great, great to see you this morning. This morning we begin to turn our full attention to Christmas. Now this might be an interesting survey. How many of you already have your Christmas decorations all done? All right, so you're already turned in. How many of you have not started your Christmas decorations? Yeah. How many are somewhere like we are in the middle of a mess? And, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we are. But we're turning our attention to Christmas. And can I just say how wonderful it is that in the middle of a year that's unlike any other year that I can remember anyway, that the light of Christmas still shines. And the message of Christmas is still true. And I want you to know that the message of Christmas still blesses the world. The message that says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to how many people? All people. And for unto you is born this day in the city of David a politician? No. An educator? No. A, a businessman? No. A preacher? No. A savior. A savior, which is Christ the Lord. I'm glad this message still rings true in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of an election that's divided us like nothing I've ever seen and even the uncertainty of the things ahead of us. Can I just get a good hearty amen and I want us to give God praise on this next statement. Christmas can never be canceled. Amen. 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 We may celebrate it in a little different way, but Christmas can never ever be canceled. And so as we begin to uh, look at Christmas this year, uh, we're starting this new series entitled A Strange Way to Save the World. And each Sunday, we're going to be looking and, and different members of the staff are going to be preaching and, and we'll be looking at different people around this cast, this strange cast around Christmas. We'll look at Joseph this morning, Mary, the innkeeper, Herod, the wise men. We have our live nativity next week. That is going to be awesome. The guys have worked so hard. Let's give them a hand and say thank you. And we're going to have so many people there and the animals. And this is going to be a Christmas for us all to remember. Now, I want us to begin this morning. I want us to look at the first character that we're going to look at in a strange way to save the world. And I want us to look at a character that is probably most often forgotten. And that character is Joseph. We think about Mary. We think about the shepherds. We think about the, the wise men. But there is a man who seems to be standing in the background. We know his name, but do we ever really give much thought to this person called Joseph? And I know it's different for you, but I'd like for you to stand with me this morning while we read the word. I'm going to read the word. It's not actually going to be on the screen. If you want to uh, read along with me, if you have your Bible on your phone or on your tablet, or uh, if you're really old-fashioned like me and you brought a real Bible, uh, you can find it in Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to begin our reading in verse 18. You need to hear this at the outset of this Christmas season. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, or the Christ, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, 
While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Think about that. Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Father, at the outset of this Christmas season, as we lit the Advent candle today that represents hope, thank you that even in that day there was hope, but thank you also even in this day, a day that seems confused and, and uncertain, that as the candle burns today, it tells us that there is hope. So bless, I pray, your word and bless your people and bless this church as we endeavor to do a strange way to save the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. After the birth of Jesus that night, Joseph may have settled down after some of the, the rush was over, perhaps sat down and tried to get a little rest. And as he sat down, perhaps his mind began to reflect on the unlikely events of the last few months. He was a simple man, not a simpleton, a simple man, a strong man. He was a man who fell in love with a beautiful young lady her name was Mary. And he would never forget that day when Mary came to him with her eyes aglow and said, Joseph, I have to tell you, I am carrying a child. Can you imagine how that began to affect Joseph? Mary, sweet Mary, Mary, the purest person I know, Mary, who had a heart of gold, Mary, how could this happen, and how could you do this? Mary had a story that an angel had come. And this was God's child. Yes. I don't know about you, but I think I might have had a little hard time saying, Mary, I know I was born at night, but probably not last night. You know how it is. <laughs> I mean, Mary, I don't understand how you could do this. But then the angel came to him and he had a dream. And he got up immediately and he said, I will do what the Lord has said. And so he takes Mary as his fiancée. They plan and go through a wedding. Now if you think Mary, or Joseph had a hard time believing this, I can tell you the people in the town, they didn't believe it at all. And a wedding took place as Joseph took Mary to be his wife under the smirks 
Look at him, what a fool. Look at him. Mary is a disgrace. Look at him, what a fool. Under the smirks and under everything else that went on, that's how I know Joseph was a strong man. He married Mary. And then early on in this pregnancy, the word comes from Jerusalem that a tax had been now put across all the world and they had to make the way from the little city of Nazareth, which is way far north in Israel, down through the road. And Connie and I had an opportunity a few years ago to travel that road. It's a road through desolate country. It's a road through the wilderness in many ways with very few stops along the way. It's down, it's, it's hot. It goes by the Jordan River and you can see the Jordan over to the left and then it goes up in the mountains, up into the Olivet Range and then it goes down as you go into Jerusalem and then you've got to go through Jerusalem and over and down and south and west. It was a long road in a bus let alone carrying a woman who was just ready to be delivered on a donkey. I don't know how many days that must have taken. And then to get to the city, and it's a madhouse. If any of you went to the store yesterday, you probably have a little idea of what uh, that madhouse is like. <laughs> But it's a madhouse. And they said, we're sorry, there's no more place. And no doubt, Joseph, because of his strength of character, said, I've got to find a place. And so they had a stable. A stable back then. We stood in the place where, they're not sure it was exactly the place, but it's a place very close and a place probably much like where Jesus was born. And they had animals in the front and it was like a little cave. And so they would go back to the back end of the cave and the animals would wander back there to be warm, stable, in a cave, and they put some water and a manger. And there that night, I can't even imagine I mean, I grew up in the period where the guy did not even go into the room when uh, a baby was born. Anybody remember those days? Yeah, yeah, and I'm grateful. I just want you to know I'm glad. <laughs> I am. I don't like blood, especially if it's mine or hers, you know. And, uh, and, uh, Joseph basically had to be the midwife that brought Jesus into the world and care for Mary. They wrapped him up in swaddling clothes or as the NIV says, strips of cloth. That's why I don't use the NIV for Christmas. Uh, my grandfather, one day, uh, he, you have to understand, he was like 80 years old. He had the Christmas story memorized. And he always read the Christmas story on New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve. And so he was sitting in the chair, kind of remember this very well, and my mom had this great idea, let's let Grandpa read the Christmas story out of the Good News Bible. He was trying to read that and the words were all different and he was trying to say swaddling clothes and wrapped him and they were saying strips of cloth and all kinds of stuff. And he finished reading that, I'll never forget it, and he put the Bible on a table. He said, well, that's the Christmas story according to that there book. And, <laughs> and so, according to that there book, that's a Christmas story. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger. And no doubt, he began to think in his own mind, this is a strange way. If I was God, I wouldn't do it this way. 
If this child is who the angel says he is, if this child is God incarnate, if this child is the man who is going to be the savior who will save the entire human race, I would not have done it this way. You see, there were so many other people that could have done it better. Teachers who could have taught him. Prophets who could have taught him to preach. Kings who could have taught him to reign. And wealthy people who could have given him every, everything. But understand that the birth of Christ at Christmas is a strange way to save the world. If we can get our PowerPoint working here. The birth of Christ at Christmas was a strange way to save the world. And there was a strange cast of characters around Jesus at this birth. But today we're going to focus on the person of Joseph. There's no doubt, as he began to think in his own mind and, and think in his heart, why would God select me? Now, here's what I want you to know as we go through this this morning. There are some characteristics of Joseph that help us to understand what God was looking for, not only in Joseph's life, but what he's looking for in our we think God is looking for uh, a million dollars. We think God is looking for a, a huge king and a politician. We think God is looking for someone uh, who is special and great. But when you look at Joseph, you see some characters and characteristics of what God looks for. Why me? I'm just a simple man. But the Bible says that Joseph, first of all, was a good man. Let's look at the scripture here. Let's notice what it says. That Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. My father-in-law, Reverend Robert Klein, who pastored this church many years ago, the highest compliment he could ever give of anybody. I've just watched it over the years. He would say, he was a good man. Or she was a good woman. And so when God said he looked for Joseph, who was a good man, a good man means, that he was a man who was just, he was honest, he was noble, he was right, he was hardworking, he was strong. He had those things to give. God could have given his son to a king, but who was not a good man, and it would not have brought the environment that he needed to nurture his son. Being a good man means you devote yourself to things that are good, not evil. Your character is good, not evil. You're honest, you're noble. And Joseph was a good man. I want to just tell you something at Christmas. I, did, I challenge you. Determine that you want to be a good man or a good woman. If you will be a good man or a good woman, obviously the best way and the only way to really do that is to have Christ in your heart. But let me tell you what. If you will give your children the inheritance of a good mom or a good dad, it's an inheritance worth more than gold. Joseph Amen. was a good man. Amen. Secondly, and I like this, Joseph was... A gracious man. Not only was he good, he was gracious. He was a good man. And notice what it says here in verse 19. 
it says that he did not want to disgrace her or Mary publicly. Wow. He was a man who we saw the little shop that sort of supposed to resemble what they had there in Nazareth. They told us that a carpenter in that day not only meant that he worked with wood, but he worked with stone. And so he was a man who had rough hands, who worked with wood, who worked with stone, and did all kinds of things, and likely built different things. He was a man's man. He was a builder. But still, in that, he was gracious. Oh, I tell you what, to see men, I, I, my wife thinks I'm kind of half nuts, but, uh, and I am, but, uh, uh, but she thinks I'm half nuts a little on this, that uh, we have watched Hallmark Christmas movies until they're running out my ears. And... Uh, <laughs> Everything is the same. Every, at one, one hour and 40 minutes after in, that's when the crisis happens. And at 155, they all get back together and they always end with a kiss and it always snows. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we watch those over and over. It's my gift to her because she lets me watch football. And so we, we go back and forth this way. But... I've got caught into, uh, I won't go into all the different news things I'm watching now, but in the news channel that I'm now watching, I went up one, and there was this channel called True Grit. Whoa, what's that? That's the old westerns. I mean, they got John Wayne riding in there, you know. They got all these guys and, and you know, and all this stuff. I said, Connie, that's the way men ought to be. I said, that's the way my dad was. I mean, you know, he was a hardworking man. He was a man and didn't have much to say. And my grandpa, if you only knew him on the dean side, I mean, he was so quiet. He didn't have anything to say. And if you missed it the first time, you didn't get it. That's the way it was. That's just the way we were, grew up. And something's happened that's kind of interesting to me. My brother-in-law, who lives in Athens, took a lot of stuff from my mom and dad after they moved to traditions, and of course then dad passed away. And my brother-in-law came up to me the other day, he said, uh, it's been about two months ago, and he said, uh, would you have any interest in having your dad's old shotgun? Yeah, I really would. I didn't know. I mean, I just said, yeah, I'd like to have that. And so he brought it up. I can't tell you what it did to me. I pulled that shotgun up. It's a 16-gauge Winchester, and it was called a trench gun, for those of you that are really interested. And it was one of the first guns that you could pull back like this and shoot automatically all five shells. It was used in World War I. So there you have a lesson. But I picked that gun up. And you know what I could see on that gun? My dad's hand. We used to go pheasant hunting all the time and rabbit hunting. I can see my dad's hand on that gun. I can see him cocking that gun, shooting at the pheasants. We never got to do that. We just were the old bird dogs. We'd go out and scare stuff up. I can't tell you what it did to me. My dad was a rugged man. He could do anything with his hands. We miss him desperately. We're so grateful we found Ed because if we couldn't, uh, I wouldn't have anything fixed in the house. I can't do anything. My dad said, it's a good thing God called him to preach because he had to work with his hands, he'd starve to death. I said, well, Dad, you didn't have to say it like that. But he was also gracious. You see, being gracious doesn't necessarily cancel out being a good man or doesn't cancel out being a real man. In fact, you go to the next one. Not only was he gracious, but he was a gentle 
man. He was a gentleman, but he was also a gentle man. Notice what it says, still in verse 19. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He didn't want to put her into terrible pain, even if, and I think it was during this period of time, he wasn't quite sure if he believed the angel story then. He just decided, Mary's done something I can't understand. I'm hurt more than I can ever imagine. But I love her. And I'm going to be gracious, even though she's hurt me. And I'm going to be gentle. And I'm going to let her uh, let this go quietly because it could, number one, the, the, the best option could be that it'd be the scandal of the town. The worst is they could take her out in stone and kill her. So he decided, I'm going to be a gentle man. He wanted to protect his wife. I want to say something, and I've thought about this a while. And I, I want to speak, ladies, you can listen in for a minute, and then probably, you'll probably give the guy who's sitting beside you an elbow, but, but try not to do that. But I want to tell you something. One of the biggest problems we're having in our culture, one of the biggest problems we're having in the church is the fact that men have lost their way. We are living in a culture that is trying to do something to men that is almost unforgivable. If you're a strong man, they say, well, you're a strong man. Well, the, the way a strong man looks is you have Antifa on and you're shooting people and knocking old people down. I want to tell you what, that's not a strong man. That's a disgusting man. Right. And then on the other hand, over here, they're trying to make it, well, if you're a man, you really ought to try to be a woman. And, you know, and watch all this stuff. And you think, really? Yeah, no. I want to tell you something, man. In spite of what Hollywood's doing, in spite of what the culture is doing, in spite of what you hear, I want you to know something. You are the key to the family. You are the key to the church. You are the key to seeing other things happen. And we men, I'm putting myself in this, we have given all the church stuff and all the stuff, oh, well, that's for the women. No, it isn't. God called men. And I tell you what, my father-in-law, again, I, I refer to him a lot, but he used to talk about when heads of families would get saved, he, he'd always rejoice whenever I got saved, but he said, when heads of families get saved, something happens. I believe that. That's right. Yeah. When heads of families get saved, and in case you haven't heard it, you won't hear it on the evening news. You won't hear it in the stories. You won't hear it anywhere else. But God loves men. God loves men that are strong men, that are good men, that are holy men, that are men who are given to good things and will be strong in the character of God. Amen? There's a man sitting close to you say amen. Don't say, are you kidding? Just say, amen. <laughs> he was a gentleman. But Joseph also was a godly man. Oh, that we had a revival among men like we used to have at Promise Keepers where they decided they wanted to be godly men. How do you know he was a godly man? Now, let me tell you why. Two reasons. 
First of all, he had an ancestry back to David. I don't have time to go into all this this morning. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you think you can't do anything in life because of your, your family background, just know that's not true. If you look at Joseph's background, it starts with Abraham, and that sounds really good, and that was a man of faith, and then it kept going, but before you go very long, you find here is Tamar, who was a prostitute, and somehow she, by grace and by faith, came into the bloodline, and you go a little farther, and you find Rahab, who was a Gentile, who knew nothing about God, and somehow she became into David's line. And then you go a little farther, and you find Ruth, who was a Gentile, who told uh, uh, her mother-in-law, don't cause me to leave me, I want to stay there, and she married Boaz, and eventually they began in the bloodline of Christ. Then you go on down, and there are some good kings, Hezekiah, there are some awful kings, Manasseh. There's a builder, Zerubbabel. And there are other people that we don't know much about. Let me tell you what. God can deliver you from your past. And he can do something good in your life. And he can make something, even if things in your past are all messed up. Amen? That's what happened with Joseph. He was a godly man. But also he's a godly man because the angel came and saw him. And the angel said... I want you to not be afraid to take Mary under your wife for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and call his name Jesus. And I love it. In the verse where it comes to verse 24, it says, and when Joseph woke up, and I think if I'm not mistaken in the King James, it says immediately. He didn't say, okay, I think I'll do that next month. You know, one of these days I'll get around. No. He got up immediately Amen. and said, I'll do what God says. Don't put off tomorrow what God is telling you to do today. Amen. Just don't do it. Amen. Just don't do it. So he was a godly man. He did what, he, what God told him to do. He got up. He took Mary as his wife. And then Joseph became a great man. Not great in the sight of all the people in the world. Many people don't even think about him. In fact, you know one of the things that just bugs the life out of me is when I see a nativity scene and there's no Joseph. I think that's not right. That's not right. I know Jesus was not his son. I know that. And he knew that. But I tell you what, Joseph protected Mary, he provided for Mary and Jesus. He was there, he was present, he named him Jesus, for he would save the people from their sin. When the angel came and said, get out of this land because Herod's trying to kill you, he took his family to Egypt. When that was finally over, wisely moved back to the little country town in northern Galilee of Nazareth. Somewhere between age 12 when Jesus went to the temple because Mary and Joseph were there. That's the last time that we ever heard hear of Joseph. Somewhere between the age of 12 and the age of 30. Joseph goes on to be with the Lord. But he had made preparation. He built into his son. And he built into Mary until the Savior would absolutely be able to touch the world. It was a strange way. But if you go a little farther, and I don't have time to preach all this, I just want to mention it as we close. It was not only a strange way to save the world at the birth of Christ at Christmas, but it was also, as you go on and fast forward it, it was a strange way to save the world at Christ's death at Calvary. The most wonderful person who ever lived, and they were looking for a king, and he goes to a cross. But out of that cross brought forgiveness 
and help. And you know, it's still a strange way to save the world because of the church, the work of the church in community. My friend John Maxwell said this, made this statement. He said, when I get to heaven, I want to ask God two questions. So I want to ask God, first of all, God, why did you choose to use men and women to spread the gospel? Why did you choose to do that? You could have used angels. You could have used computers. You could have written it in the sky. You could have done anything, but you chose to use men. What a strange way to save the world. People like you and me. Right. And he said, the second question I want to ask him is this. Why did you choose me? I understand that there are other people that can do it. But why would you choose me? And that message that goes around tells people that if they will just admit they've sinned, if they will just come to the place of believing that Christ loves them and can save them, and if they will confess that he is Lord, they can be brought into the family of God. A strange way to save the world. Just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now I not one to second guess what angels have to say 
this is just a strange way to save the world Oh, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say this is just a strange way to save the world. Such a strange way. Oh, such a strange way to save the bowed and eyes closed just for a moment we hear the music just playing softly in the background of a strange way to save the world the reason why it was a strange way is so that he could identify with you and identify with me with our heads bowed and our eyes closed I want you to know that if you are here today and you really want to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is as simple as A, B, C. A, you admit that you have sinned. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just simply tell that to God. I'm sorry. I know I've sinned. B, I believe. In John 3.16, that God so loved the world, which included me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, and that means me, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And see, to confess him as Lord, and Savior, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. With our heads bowed for just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. It's so strange, and we can't second guess, but he did it to relate to you. Is there anyone here today that would just simply say, David, this Christmas, I want to get my heart right with God. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. I'm willing to do the ABC. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? God bless you. Anyone else as we tarry? Just a minute. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless you. Oh, wonderful. God bless you. I'm going to pray. I want you to pray. You don't have to pray these words, but I want you to pray your own words and just tell God first A. Lord, I know I've done wrong and I'm sorry. Lord, I admit that I've sinned. Forgive me for I've not done the things that I should do. Just tell him in your own words that you're sorry. Just tell him. And then tell him in your own words, I know I'm not worthy, but I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe if I believe in you, that I can be saved. Just tell him that in your own words. And then, in your own words, just tell him I confess you, Lord. I'll tell someone, if you'll forgive me today, I'll tell the person sitting beside me, or I'll tell someone what you did in my life. Father, you've heard these prayers right now, and I pray in Jesus' name. The power of the Holy Spirit will bear witness to those who prayed, to those who lifted their hands, to those who said, I want to be what God wants me to be. Lord, touch them today. Let them feel the presence 
of your forgiveness in their hearts, even right now, until there is no doubt. No doubt. Thank you. Then last, and then I'm going to turn it over to our pastor to be done. I'd like for every man this morning who would say, David, I want to be a man like Joseph. I want to be a godly man. I want you just to stand right where you are. We're going to pray over you. Men, we don't do this very often with men. I want to be a man like Joseph that is a godly man. Not perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but I want to be a godly man. I really do. Amen. Father, you see these men who are standing how important these men are in their families, how important they are in the community, how important they are in the church. Father, anoint them and bless them. And Lord, help them to know today that while it's a strange way to save the world, you have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you have chosen the weak things of the world to confuse the strong. And Lord, help them to become men who will literally become godly men and gracious men and gentlemen and great men and godly men. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor David, for such a wonderful message. And what a, what a great way to start uh, the Christmas uh, series and season together as a church. Amen. Um, I want to give you some really great news as our ushers are coming forward at this time. Uh, we would have announced this last week, but we weren't in the room. So uh, I wanted to give you an update on the wonderful, amazing offering that you gave as a church to Church on Como. And uh, we're so, so excited about this. So are you ready for this? All told, everything that came in for the offering, we were able to write them a check for $4,200. Amen. Isn't that great? Oh, I'm so very, very proud of you. I'm so thankful for all of you. And uh, we're just so grateful to you. And uh, as you're giving today, uh, if you still want to give to Church on Como, you still can do that. Um, and uh, just hold on just for one moment. We're going to pray for the offering. Uh, but uh, uh, in just a moment as we receive, if you would like to still give to them, that's fine. We will make sure it goes to them. Just make sure you mark it. It's uh, Church of Como. And uh, is it Church on Como or of Como? On Como. Okay, I will make sure I was saying it right. And so uh, we want to make sure that uh, we bless them as much as we can. Also, we've got some other opportunities coming. Uh, if you were uh, uh, able to give towards the Awana kids, um, if you still have something you want to give towards that, uh, see Scott and Tara, they're over here, wave to everybody, let everyone know. And uh, I just want to brag real quick on the, the support staff and the pastoral staff of this church. Uh, you know, they work tirelessly and have worked through this whole pandemic to make sure whether we were in the room or or watching online uh, that we were able to have worship and I'm just so proud of them and uh, if you'll notice in your bulletin there's a way to be able to bless them this is not this is not for Pastor Phil this is to bless other pastors and, and staff uh, and if you would like to give towards a love offering for them uh, that would be awesome just make sure that you mark that I would like to bless them in a great way for the hard tireless work that they have done over the last really I don't know how what has it been has it been six months See, nine months seems like two years uh, over the last two years and uh, so uh, you'll see details on that in your bulletin and uh, we just are so excited we have another uh, thing coming up we won't give you all the details but we we're also going to have uh, some uh, other toys coming down the pike that we're going to be able to bless uh, uh, our community with so uh, just stay tuned. This is going to be the month of giving. And I'm so proud of you for blessing people. I mean, I, this week we've seen toys given away. We've seen cars given away. We've seen cash given away. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just excited to watch what God's doing. And I'm so proud of you as a congregation, both in the room, those that are watching online, you're a part of that too. Thank you for your generosity. We love you so much and so proud of you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. You sent 
that we might have life and have it to the full. Thank you for this time that we can set aside, this whole month we can set aside to worship you, to celebrate the birth of a Christ child, Lord, and to, and to be so uh, appreciative of the gift that was given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, for everything that's given today, use it for the glory and the upbuilding of your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. As they're receiving the offering, let me remind you that this coming Friday is what? Thank you. Some of you know this coming Friday is what? Live Nativity. Now you all know uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. The details are in your bulletin. Also on Facebook, we have an event. I would love for you to go onto the church, Capital City Church uh, Facebook page, find that event, and share it to your friends. Uh, I think it's reached uh, over 5,000 people already. It might be, I think maybe I saw 7,000 this morning. So you're, you're, I know you're sharing it. Continue to share that and let people know that that's coming up. Uh, also, we have uh, every week we're going to be uh, celebrating Advent and we're going to be having a Christmas uh, message. And then coming uh, for Christmas Eve, we're going to have, we've adopted this idea from our Grace Ministries family and we merged together and last year we almost did it but we couldn't quite pull it off because do you know it was a year ago today was our first Sunday together come on how about we celebrate that huh yeah one year ago today and if it hadn't been for corona it wouldn't have it, it, you know I think it that felt like three years but that one year ago so uh, they used to do um, uh, every year a Christmas Eve Eve service well, we thought this was a great year for us to try that because Christmas Eve Eve is a Wednesday night when we're used to coming anyway. So we would love for you to be a part of our Christmas Eve Eve service. And uh, we're going to have a candlelight service. It's going to be uh, very special. And we invite all of you to be a part of that as well. So this is going to be a great season, a great time. And uh, be inviting your friends. Uh, make sure if you're a part of the nativity, Pastor Scott would like to meet with you uh, following the service. So meet with them if you're in a cast or crew or, or anything helping. Uh, how'd you like that hymn sing? Would you like that? Huh? Uh, would, would you like to do it again sometime? All right. Okay. Well, we will then. I think we all enjoyed that. So God bless you. Merry Christmas month. Amen. And uh, give a Corona elbow or fist bump and let everybody know you love them. God bless you. You're dismissed.